designed with women in mind as we delve into what it means to be a true follower of Christ and how to navigate our daily lives, my prayer is simply that my speech will be theologically sound and that our words will be encouraging and life-giving. We will have different guests in the weeks to come and will be looking from various perspectives while staying ever true to God's Word. The title of the podcast is Beautiful Imperfection, As we go about our busy, chaotic lives, we tend to focus on the doing and not the being of who God created us to be. We sometimes get it backwards. In this podcast, we will discuss from week to week the being, our identity in Christ, produces the doing, and that the doing is an overflow of who we are in Him. We are imperfect in every way, but Jesus is perfect. The beauty in our imperfection is Him. So wherever you are in your season of life, if you're in your car, in your laundry room, or sitting in your favorite chair, grab a cup of coffee and take a deep breath. Relax and listen in as we look and talk about what being in Christ really means and how the Bible explains that it is not our imperfection that makes or breaks us, but that it is his perfection that covers us and that we can find rest in that promise. Then we serve him out of an abundance of love that only comes through him. Lean in with us. Here we go. Hi, everyone. We're so glad you're here. I can't believe that it's 2023, and I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and are ready for the new year. I'm here with my friends Lindsay Harris and Susan Spear, and today... You are really in for a treat. Susan is sharing her story with us. So Susan has four boys and a husband, so she lives in a men's dormitory. (laughs) (laughs) Please tell me that your dog is at least a girl. My dog is a girl. Awesome, yes. Uh, You need some female presence in there somewhere. (laughs) So let's just get started today, and thank you for being here, Susan, and please share with us your journey of the redemptive power of Jesus. Well, thank you for having me, and it's great to be here and to share this story because um, I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful for what God has done because when I look back at the brokenness that I brought and the healing he brought, mm-hmm. it's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that people in high school <laughs> yeah. would have never said, that girl's going to be on a podcast talking about <laughs> Jesus one day. <laughs> Here I am. Maybe a podcast, maybe a different kind. I don't (laughs) know. Right. I was raised in um, Little Rock, Arkansas, and pretty typical, you know, childhood mom and a dad, and they loved us, and um, they did a great job caring for us. Um, But as a child, I just remember having um, a very large degree of fear. I, I walked around with a lot of fear. And just make it clear, I'm not blaming my parents. My parents really, they weren't perfect, but I didn't have a traumatic childhood. I didn't have big issues. Things did come along about 13 where we had um, some difficult experiences in my family. Mm -hmm. But my response was anger. And I um, and I won't get into what happened because that's somebody else's story, right? <laughs> but um, my response to what was going on was anger. So I had a lot of fear and a lot of anger, and I was about thirteen years old when all this was going on. Mm-hmm. So 
that kind of lays a foundation, if you will, of what I was building my life on, mm. fear and anger. And as I grew older and went through high school and did all the rebellious stuff, and I did a lot of rebellious mm. stuff, I started drinking when I was probably about 15. I probably tasted it at 14, but really started drinking around 16 when I could get in the car and leave and mm -hmm. go do my own thing. So I started partying at that point, and there was a lot of drugs and alcohol going on around me. And thankfully, God intervened in my life, and He would. I just never went down the drug path. Um, I did experiment a little bit, but I never really went that way. Alcohol, I thought, I can handle this. <laughs> little, right. little did I know. But um, I graduated high school and immediately got this great job in broadcasting. And I had so much fun. It was a great job. It was a lot of fun. But there's a lot of partying and broadcasting. And you get out in the, the world of radio back then anyway. I don't know what it's like now, but back then there was a lot of partying. So I did a lot of partying. And <clears throat> again, my life was run on fear and anger. And I just remember um, just driving force in my life. And it wasn't good. It really wasn't good. And the drinking began to really get out of control. And I can't say to you at this point, I was an alcoholic, but I can say it was young. It was very young. And I was working in broadcasting mm -hmm. and having a lot of fun, but there was like this double life. I was this community um, person, mm -hmm. but then there was the real me behind the scenes. So I was living this double life and that's how I felt. I felt like a fake a lot, but um, the job actually um, closed. Radio stations, when they close, they pretty much fire all the talent, mm. and they change their format, and they'll bring in new talent, and that's what happened. Mm -hmm. So I lost my job, and I started working in a bar, which is not a good combination <laughs> for somebody who has a problem with alcohol. But um, while I was working there, we had other people working behind the scenes to try to get this radio station format back, but in a different location. So that will bring me here to Florida. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, you know, my life was just, once I left home, I moved out at 19, it's like I stepped off a cliff mm -hmm. and it just got bad quick. I mean bad. So did you go straight from your high school years into college into broadcasting? So how many years you said you started drinking probably at 15? So you were already how old when you started in broadcasting? I was 18. Yeah. <laughs> I was just literally yeah. out of high school. Yeah. So I was going to college and going, you know, working this job and not really taking college very serious because I had my, you know, agenda, <laughs> which was partying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I look at how God was moving me and the people that were in my life at the time. So I was actually in school to go to nursing. I was going, wanting to go to nursing school. And I'll just say right now, it was probably a really good thing <laughs> that I did not end up in nursing school because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was a right fit for me. But while I was in nursing school, interestingly enough, I was in all these labs. We had to take a lot of labs. And um, one of the labs, anatomy and physiology, we had a cat we had to dissect. And so you had this cat. I know it's gross. 
you had this cat for two semesters, the same cat. Okay, really mm-hmm. gross. But my lab partner was a young lady. She was a mom, and she was um, the wife of a youth pastor at a local church. And so over this horrible cat, <laughs> she was actually speaking truth into my life. And I just remember that tug in my heart wanting what she had. But I didn't understand the spiritual aspect of it. I thought I wanted her life, like her mm-hmm. husband, stability. I thought that's what I needed to bring this out-of-control girl into control. But I got a job offer here in Florida, and I packed everything up. And I'm telling you, I couldn't get out of Florida. I mean, get out of Arkansas fast enough. I had everything packed <laughs> <laughs> like the split. And I remember my boss at the time saying, I thought we were going to have a hard time getting you out of Arkansas. But I knew I needed to run. In my mind, I needed to get away from this that place and everything would be better. Mm-hmm. Like all of the problems I was causing with my drinking. Because when you drink, you destroy relationships. And you're not even trying, but it just it happens the anger, the fear, the insecurity. I mean, all these things, it just did not have healthy relationships. And I was trying, but it it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. So in my brain, I'm thinking if I can go to Florida, I can start over and everything will be just perfect. And um, I had been raised in the church. So I knew the stories of the Bible. I knew what the Bible was. I knew what the church was, but I really did not understand who Christ was. I did not understand that he was God. I really thought he was, I don't know what I thought really, but he was born on earth and, you know, he died on the cross, but it meant nothing. It just was a story that came out of the Bible like Moses, you know, all of, like Noah and the ark. We so often try all the external things, so God becomes sometimes one of those external things when he has it done, you know, inside. We don't know him yet, so we're still, it's one of those things that we're still trying yes. to make work on the outside. But I was, you know, I, I, I look back and I think I was really angry with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I just was angry at God. I was angry at the people of the church I had felt wounded. Um, Going back to that crisis when I was 13, some things weren't handled very well in the church. There was some Mm -hmm. lack of forgiveness, you know, lack of grace. And and that happens. People are people. And and the reality is is there was a lot of lack of grace in other places too. But it's easy (laughs) to point at the church and say, you should get it perfect. But um, there was some really good people. But, of course, I focused on the negative. Anyway. So going back, so I moved to Florida, and I'm thinking, yay, I'm here. It's going to be great. I have a wonderful job. I have the job I want. I'm making great money. I was really doing really well, and it's a fresh start. I mean, I'm all by myself here. I mean, I had some coworkers here, and I thought it's going to be great. And when I think back to that four months, so it was four months from the point I moved to Florida until I finally broke. The drinking was out of control. And I will say this, people who struggle with addiction, it's it's the addiction, but there's something driving the addiction. And for me, I had something driving the, the addiction. 
and the alcohol just made it all fade away for a little bit. But I was getting to the point where I would wake up at like 4 a.m., go to the bathroom, make myself get sick so I could get some of the alcohol out of my system and hopefully function better the next day or when I woke up in the morning. And I thought, this is just no way to live. I mean, I was 22 at this point. And I'm supposed to be having fun. It's supposed to look like the commercials, you know, where everybody is at the bar and everybody knows your name and it's great. But it did not feel that way. Every time I went out, it was embarrassing um, to look back and to see my behavior, to see the things I said, the things I did. I was embarrassed a lot, humiliated, very humiliated. And um, what were some of those fears and like anger, if you can describe just a few? I mean, sometimes you don't remember because maybe you're drinking, but what made you start the drinking process? And then when you woke up, how did you feel afterwards? Because you all of a sudden had those feelings of resentment and um, opportunities saying, I wish I would have not acted like that, or I wish I would have not been like that. Well, I think the fear for me, the best way I know how to describe it, it wasn't like a moment of fear. It was an undercurrent of fear. Mm -hmm. It was like I was building my life on that fear. And I always felt like, I never measured up. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like, and I remember thinking, there's me and there's everybody else. And they have things figured out, but I don't have it figured out. I'm still trying to just live life. It's like I didn't know how to get up and function through the day and then just go to bed at night, like get ready for bed and go to bed. I mean, I had to drink myself to sleep to quiet all the fears and insecurities. And I had voices and not like voices talking to me, but, you know, when you're full of fear, there's a lot of voices in your head constantly gnawing at you because there is an enemy, and he mm-hmm. was working on me and, and making sure that I stayed down. But, you know, just the, you know, I, I couldn't measure up to you. Like, I'd be right. afraid that you're judging me right now, and I'm not doing this podcast well, and mm-hmm. everything would, you know, and I was in front of a lot of people a lot, and so sure. there was a lot of insecurity. You just performance-based. Mm-hmm. I could not perform well is how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and the anger that I felt was, I really, for me, was directed towards my parents. It was the seed. I would mm-hmm. say it was a seed of anger, and it grew into resentment. And when anger takes hold of your life, it doesn't really matter where it started or why, because it turns into its own thing. And you can become angry about things that didn't really even happen. Because now, and you talk to alcoholics, they lose a grasp of what's real and what's not real. In their head, everything's real. Mm. So... I will say that. So that's where I was kind of coming from was this life of just not being able to see truth. Mm-hmm. You can't, you're confused, you're angry, you're frustrated. That's where I was constantly, all the time. This gnawing anxiety all the time. It was just this constant presence. So <laughs> here I am in Florida, living the life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was horrible. It was horrible. So I went out with my friends one evening, and we were out partying, having a great time, except I really was not having a great time. I mean, I I really drank too much, and I really embarrassed myself. So the next morning, I woke up, and I was um, 
just overwhelmed with the pain. And I remember this pain hitting me. There's the physical pain of being hungover, but this was different. This pain this time was completely different. It was deep within me, and it was almost like my soul was hurting. And I'm going to talk to God about this when I get to heaven (laughs) to talk about what was that exactly. But I really think my soul was just hurting. And for the first time ever, I got on my knees, and I asked God, for help. And I remember crying out saying, I don't know who you are. And I don't even know that you know who I am. But if you don't do something, I, I, I just don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And um, I had this thought, maybe I should call somebody for help. So I opened up the yellow pages and I f- remember the yellow pages. I yes. <laughs> Yeah. Some of our listeners might not know what that is, though. <laughs> well, it's this book that it gives you all Google. the numbers. So, And it wasn't hard to find because I was looking for um, help with alcohol, and I reached out to Alcoholics Anonymous. And so I called the 800 number, and I talked to this guy on the phone. Now, if I go back in my story before I left Little Rock, some of the people that I hung around with, one of the girls um, that I would party with, she got sober, and she used to cut my hair. And so I was over at her house one day, and this is before I moved, but not too long before I moved. And she was cutting my hair, and she was sober. And I would ask her, Linda, how do you know if you have a problem? Because I was young, and so I'm thinking this is what young people do. Mm. Young people have fun, so I'm just having fun. And she said, Susan, if you think you have a problem, you probably do. And those words never left me. I carried those words for nine months from when she told me until that morning when I'm on the phone with this guy that I didn't know, trying to act like on the phone that everything's cool, I'm okay, I just need to know where a meeting is. And he was like, well, are you, have you been court ordered to go to a meeting or are you an alcoholic? Mm. And I thought, Oh, well, I haven't been court ordered. And I just went, oh, alcoholic. I mean, I just, it just all kind of poured out. And he was like, whoa. He's like, it's okay. He goes, go, it'll help the pain go away. And so I thought, okay, I can do that. And I did. I went to a meeting that night. Um, that was my first meeting. And interestingly enough, when I walked into the meeting and I'm sitting in at the table and I'm looking up, so AA has 12 steps and 12 traditions. And let me tell you something. God is all throughout the 12 steps and 12 traditions. And I'm sitting there looking at that going, great. He's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and he was. And so that was the very beginning. And I was pretty sure that they were going to send me home. Like, you don't belong here. This is not for you. You don't have a problem. But I'm sitting there, and the room was dark, actually. I got there early because I thought, if I don't get there, I'm not going. So I got there a little early, and I'm sitting in the dark, and I could hear people talking in the the distance. And they were at the coffee bar because they serve coffee. And I, I just finally began to, maybe this is the right place for me. I didn't know. But I did pick up a white chip that night. And that was when I surrendered. What I did not know is that was July 7th, 1990. 
and I never drank again. So I never actually had an urge to drink from that point on. Wow. And I didn't know, like I just did what they told me. They said, come every night, just keep coming back. So I just did what they wanted. But this question of God kept showing up. It was literally the topic of conversation. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. There's got to be a different answer. This can't be the answer. So... I started going to the meetings, and I met this girl, and she had everything. They tell you, find somebody that has everything you want and ask that person to be your sponsor. And she was beautiful. She talked to people easy. She had lots of confidence, and I thought, that's what I want. (laughs) Like, I didn't really focus on the spiritual things (laughs) like I was supposed to, Uh but I did that. So, and as it turned out, it was a God thing. Because she began to work with me and talk with me. And she really just stepped into my life and came alongside me. And she had something that was completely different. Now, I've hearing, I'm hearing a lot of people talk in the meetings. I'm hearing a lot of things. And you can tell the difference between somebody who's white-knuckling it, just getting by. You know, their life's still a mess, but they're not drinking. And then there's the people who are sober and their life is improving and they're healing from the inside. And that's what I wanted. So she started talking to me and started talking about God and trying. she was trying to figure out what did I know. Well, I had the right answers because I went to Sunday school. So I know how to say <laughs> Jesus. The answer is always Jesus, Jesus right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but she could see this this life, you know, and I began to try to work the steps and I tried to get honest with myself and I tried to be a good girl and be a quote unquote Christian. So I was trying to understand what that was. But in my way, I was always kind of living life like two ways. I was presenting to you what I thought you wanted, but then there was the real me. And I didn't really know how to be authentic with somebody I was the insecurity and the fear, you know, locked me in. But thankfully she could see, um, you know, she had enough wisdom to see. And so we started talking about who this God was. And I started reading the Bible and I was going to meetings that were actually biblically focused. Like we, we studied the scriptures and the steps and, and I was filling my head with a lot of knowledge And because I could talk, I was, you know, engaging and I could run meetings and I could do a lot of things. You know, I just looked like I was really getting the program. Mm -hmm. But inside, I was still full of fear, still full of anger, and I was still mad at God. And so um, I went through what looked like the 12 steps, but really, um, I I had a lot of work left (laughs) to do. And I'm so thankful that God is so um, patient with us. And as I look at how he worked in my life and how he's worked in the lives of the women around me, you know, he's always calling us to him. He's always putting those people in place to speak truth into our lives. And when we really, truly turn to him and let go, and truly accept who he is without my limitations, without my expectations, without, you know, what I'm saying he should be, but who he is, and I accept him, 
it changes everything. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. Yes, it, does. it does. It changes our entire perspective on life, and your broadcasting became something very different, <laughs> right? But the lady that you were talking about, so she took you through um, a lot of a growing process with God, and so when you um, got to the end of that, and I think uh, we want to pick up maybe this story on the next podcast, but could you tell us just a little bit about the woman and you were going to her house thinking what? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yes. So, um, as I was trying to live this Christian life, I looked okay. I mean, I looked like I was getting it, you know, sponsoring people, I'm, I'm hosting meetings, I'm, I'm doing all the right things, but um, inside the turmoil, and my, my sweet friend, <laughs> my sponsor, she could, she began to watch me like, hmm, <laughs> things aren't adding up. <laughs> yeah. So she, it took a little bit of time, but she invited me over to her house um, for what I thought was going to be a girl's night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, little did I know. It kind of was. It was a girl's night. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a good place for us to stop and to start for our next podcast. Please join us. You don't want to miss the rest of this. It's very um, good, and we're very excited to have Susan back for week number two. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you have gleaned something of value that will help you in your day-to-day lives and draw you closer to living fully in who God designed you to be. Until next time, you are beautiful in His sight. If you've been thinking and listening to us and wondering, how can this become a reality in my life? How How can my identity be in Christ? and you've never received him, I'd like to give you the opportunity to do that right now by praying a sinner's prayer. It's a very simple prayer, and it goes like this. Lord, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for going to the cross and dying for my sins. I open up my heart. I ask you to come in. Please forgive me for everything that I've done and help me to walk with you as I follow you in my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to connect with you and help you as you start your life in Christ. Please visit thebestnews.org.